Shut up and sit down. journal you know um when the russian company bought them years ago i was really i backed up to dream with but i never really took it seriously and then when the servers changed in december to and all the servers from live journal were moved all the content was moved into russia um it was like a blip on my radar, of course, and then the new TOS came out, Terms of Service, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's that's a whoa, that's a whoa for me, and <clears throat> I didn't know quite what to do with it, so uh, I backed up DreamWorks again, and then um, I I thought about it, and I, I made all my entries private so I wouldn't hit that mass media number, because I do... On the average day on Live Journal, even my old content, I was averaging between two and three, sometimes four thousand visits a day. That's not counting the Evil Author Day community that Jillian and I have together, where we statistically averaged during Evil Author Day itself um, during that week. Um, we had close. To, I mean, we had twenty thousand hits, um, which automatically qualified that blog as a mass media. Uh, entity per Russian Federation law, which means all of that content was subject to their laws on obscenity, on what they call the gay propaganda, um, and um, <laughs> I don't know what they would do to us if it would just be a deletion or, but also if you're qualified as a mass media outlet you're not allowed to post anonymously. So if Jilly and I had not moved our content, because at one time or another we have both paid into LiveJournal with various um, payment options, there is every chance that LiveJournal has our legal names and could have put our real names on our accounts for that group because we had exceeded the number and had become a mass media outlet. Now, for those of you who think those of us who immediately bailed on Live Journal um, are hysterical and we're making a big deal out of nothing, I'm going to tell you right now, I think you're a fucking moron. You are a fucking moron. And if you think the TOS that we had to agree to on the 4th of April is the same one we had to agree to last year, you are an idiot. You are a fucking idiot. I can't even tell you how stupid you are. And if you don't think they're the same thing, but you're not moving anyway, and you post all that gay porn, and you think they're not going to enforce it, when your live journal disappears and all your work goes away, and you have to run around the internet and hope, and all your comments are gone, everything is gone. Don't come crying to the rest of us about your shit being missing. 
because you're a fucking idiot. And I'm not, and you know what? If if you're listening to this and you're upset and you, somebody sent you a link because you've been saying this on Live Journal and NCIS, um, and they they sent you a link to my podcast, you could get mad at me. I don't care. I don't care. I really don't care. You're a dumbass. If you think it doesn't matter that you're agreeing to adhere to Russian Federation law regarding the use of mass media, regarding the use of obscenities, regarding political views, are you fucking insane? Are you? And even if you do have paid account and you think you're covered under the original terms of service for uh, San Francisco, when you signed in that day and you had to agree to the new TOS, you agreed to it. You had to agree to it to do anything, to read anything, to look at anything, to post anything, to export your content. You had to agree to it. You agreed to the new TOS. You agreed to be to adhere to Russian Federation law. You agreed that if your blog became a mass media outlet, which means 3,000 visits in a single day, that you can no longer post anonymously, which means that LiveJournal would have the right to put your real name on your account. That's what you agreed to. And moreover, whatever they put in the English TOS didn't even matter because it wasn't binding because it was English. Only the Russian one that none of us can read is binding, right? Right? Because we, But whatever it says, we don't know. So don't call us hysterical, don't call us crazy, don't call us reactionary for not wanting our content to disappear. And if you do that, I will eventually stop calling you an idiot for thinking it's the same TOS that you've already agreed to. And if you happen to get a letter in the mail six, seven months from now, where you've been fined for obscenity by the Russian government, don't come crying to me. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying that it might. You don't know. But moreover, what's really going to happen is they're going to go through. I think you've probably got about a 30-day grace period. And at that point, they're going to go through and delete any single count account that violates their obscenity laws in um Russia, which means anything with um, gay content is gone. Anything with explicit sex content is gone. Anything with a political opinion is gone. And you'll think that whole strike-through mess in 2006 or 2007, it's going to be like a fucking Disney movie compared to what's going to happen. And those perm- – like, Jilly has a, a great point. I, I'm, I'm going to bring her on. Lay it on them. Are you there? Well, I know, yeah, I know a lot of people have permanent accounts. And you have to bear in mind that those permanent accounts generate no revenue for LiveJournal, especially the new company, because that was pre-SEP Media. So those permanent accounts that are keeping people there, they don't get ad revenue. 
for your account. You're not buying anything. You don't, you've got the same perks as people who have paid accounts. So those permanent accounts are almost a liability for them. So I know a lot of people are staying for those, but you're actually better protected probably if you actually have an actual paid account than if you have a permanent account. I mean, if they want to, if they want to free up resources, they can just target those um, permanent accounts for any violations of the terms of service because you're not bringing money in. Which could be anything up into including gay content, um, a political opinion expressed in a fictional story, uh, sexual and a political content, opinion, a, a political language. opinion, um, according to Russian law, is just simply as minor as that homosexuality is okay. It's considered political, a political opinion, right? A divisive political opinion. And considering we're talking about a country who regularly kills people who disagree with them, their own people, just keep on calling us hysterical. We'll be over here on Dreamwits with all of our shit that didn't get deleted. I mean, I, I really all your admit, shit's I'm gone. totally on board with, with all of you people who feel like LiveJournal is easier to use than Dreamwits. It is. Um... But I but, think it boils down to um, considering the fact that LiveJournal and DreamWith are built on the same open source software. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're looking at is just something you get used to. Because when I, when mm-hmm. I first moved into LiveJournal, I didn't know how that shit worked. It took me five, six months to get super comfortable with their interface. And I say five, six months from now, I won't even stumble on DreamWith. It's just what you get used to. Yeah. Because it, it, it is a matter of comfort. That is why people stay. It's completely a comfort thing. And if people, you know, I, if people want to stay because they have a permanent account and it's a financial concern that they can't afford a paid account or whatever, or because they're comfortable and they don't like learning new things, you know, just own the reasons why you, you want to stay. Just say, this is why I want to stay, and I don't care about these other issues. These uh, these things that I'm staying for, just, I mean, but to make everybody else seem like they're being hysterical, um, because you aren't prepared to get out of your comfort zone, is bullshit. It's dumb bullshit. I know I'm hurting people's feelings, I, I don't care. You know... I really don't care. It, it's just so infuriating for you for people to lie, and for you to say for people to say not you personally, Jilly, but I know you didn't say this. I know you didn't <laughs> say this. Um, for people to say that the TOS has not changed is a fucking lie. And either you actually believe that shit because you didn't actually read it, or worse, you read it half ass and didn't understand it and assumed it was the same, or you read it, you know it's different. You know it's bad. You don't want to move. You don't want any of your other things to move because you're comfortable, like Julie said. And you purposely go out and lie about it. You're doing everyone a disservice, including yourself. 
Because then what happened the first day when I when I when I started looking at was I going to looking and reading user agreement, and I was wondering about what was going to happen to some of the communities and six finder groups and stuff. It's like it's hearing over and over and over again the term the user agreement isn't any different. Nothing's changed, and people told me they said I read the whole thing and there's no difference. And so you call people on that and you say, okay, well, it is, there is a difference, and they come back with something in this vein of, well, yeah, but um, we all agree to these kinds of terms of service. They're boilerplate. They're not going to do anything. I said, okay, you're banking on boilerplate. And we may agree to this stuff in other countries, yes. Maybe I agree to something for some company in Japan that's very similar or whatever. But it's, it's actually not the same thing as agreeing to some terms of service to be bound by Japanese law or whatever. Yes, and yes, and somebody even brought up in a post about um, obscure laws in the United States that when you agree to a boiler boilerplate user agreement to be bound by your own local laws, that if you live in some states in, in the in the – United States, that you could be inadvertently breaking the law and that technically that's a violation of the user agreement. And trying to minimize people's concerns about the Russian law thing with that kind of bullcrap is just garbage. That is just Especially so since in Russia you can go to jail for advocating for gay rights. Not even being gay yourself. If you advocate for gay rights in Russia, you can go to jail if you survive long enough to go to jail. Right. So, like those old blue, those old blue laws on the books in some states that say that you like can't own a dildo or something like that. And if you talked about your dildo collection online, would you be technically breaking the user agreement of your locality based upon the laws of your locality? Well, yes. But any time those kind of laws, A, nobody enforces those laws in the United States, and B, any time those kind of what we call blue laws do come up in some obscure situation, they don't survive going to federal court because they're discriminatory and they invite they people's and they're privacy. Not, and they're not constitutional. Yeah, they're inconstitutional. Right, and unconstitutional but in, laws. Um, I actually happen to live in a um, Russian federation state with law blue laws. Is. These are, huh? I actually live in a state with a couple of blue laws. Um, in our state, in my state, um, you cannot buy a dildo, but you can own one. You can buy novelty sex items, but you can't buy novelty sex toys. Sex toys. So when you go to a novelty sex store, of which there are three within, I don't know, 25 minutes of my house, how do I know? I've been there. One's got a drive through. Not kidding. Not kidding. Um, uh, there isn't a single item in those stores labeled toy. They're all novelties. This is a novelty dildo. This is a novelty rabbit vibrator, which is a lot of times like why um, vibrators will have little animal faces on them, like a rabbit or a beaver or whatever. They're novelties. They're not actually vibrators. If you happen to do something with it that they didn't intend... That's not wink, their wink. fault. Right. <laughs> it's not a toy. This is not meant to be used. It's meant to be looked at. It's an item, not a toy. But, yeah, but, no, seriously, that's how they get around those laws. And, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of sex toys and tops and tops, stops, blah, shops and um, porn, porn stores and bookstores. I mean, it, it's, it's everywhere. It's just... Um, Tongue in cheek around the law. 
Because right. they can't really enforce the law, you know. But this is different. This is this is right. you agreeing. Um, and beyond the legal ramifications of that, if you have a job where you have a security clearance, if you have a job where you are bonded, if your spouse is in the military, do you really want your legal name to be on some list in Russia for violating obscenity laws? Think about that. Do you want to be accused in your legal name of obscenity by the Russian Federation? Because they're not going to put Kira Marcos out there. They're going to put my real name on it. Mm-hmm. Because they have it. And even if you've but never paid me for hysterical. anything... And if you've never paid for anything on LiveJournal, have you logged in with your own IP address? The one you If you think they can't figure out who you are, you're confused. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, you know, and see, the thing is, is both my blog, my blog on um, LiveJournal, and our EAD community would have qualified as mass media outlets because of the, the amount of traffic I got on both. I mean, I had 2,000 friends. So I put up a, a a link to my website for content. That entry hits two, 3,000 hits. I'm immediately a media outlet. Permanently. It's not just one entry. It's the whole thing. It only has to happen once. And once you're qualified as a media outlet, that's what you are, and you can't post anonymously anymore. I'll, I'll log in one day, and it's not... Kira, it's my real name. Or worse, if I don't change it to my real name, they arbitrarily delete all my content. So don't call us hysterical. Yeah. And this is going to sound, this is going to be ugly. This is going to be real ugly. But... I want I want you to know if you're one of those people who out there who thinks we're hysterical, who thinks it's not a big deal, um, who thinks that um, we're being crazy and reactionary. When they delete your shit, I'm gonna find it really funny. And it's not if they delete your shit; it's when they delete your shit. Because all they have to do is get on their server with a filter and look for words like cock, fuck, and you're done. You're 100% done. So it isn't like they're just going to go one by one through the journals and, and see what you're up to. They're going to put a filter on it, and anybody who who hits that filter, that obscenity filter, is going to disappear. If you write about chickens and you and you call the rooster a cock, that filter is going to hit it, and they're not going to click on your entry and translate it into Russian and make sure you're talking about chickens. They're just going to delete your shit. It's just going to be gone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really amused 
I'm going to feel bad for you, too, but I'm going to laugh. It's kind of like when your friend falls and you laugh and, and, and go to help them at the same time. I'm not going to help you, obviously, because I'm not going to get involved. Um, I'm going to laugh, um, but I'll feel bad at the same time. There sort are a few people that I'm not going to feel bad about if they lose all their shit. And then, you know, I mean, that's mean, but it's just like if you're reading the charge trying to calm people down and tell people they're being hysterical and that they're misinterpreting things or whatever, even though several news outlets have done a dissection about what this user agreement means and how it could be leveraged to impact especially political and LGBT issues, of which most of fandom is going to get wiped out on that, because you can't even write a story about political issues and not have it be a political. I mean, you can't have political content even in a piece of fiction under that user agreement. So, if if you know, if there's a couple people who are like I said, they're out there trying to tell you know, make people seem like they're overreacting, and they're, in my opinion, misrepresenting how damaging this agreement could be, or they're saying things like, "Well, it could go that bad, but it probably won't. This is a business after all." But what if, they need to understand is that there are plenty of so-called businesses in Russia who are basically propaganda engines for the government. And if you think the live journal platform isn't right for that, you're not paying attention. There is no place for fandom on LiveJournal. And you need to bail. <clears throat> but hey, we're just reactionary, right? <laughs> Okay. Well, I were I mean, I was concerned about when I heard the servers were going to move to Russia back in December. I actually didn't really perk up too much when a Russian company bought LiveJournal. Um, I wondered what what that would be like. I mean, we all noticed that there were immediate issues from from that. Like every time you go to a support page, everything was in Russian. It was like okay, um, but we. Um, I wondered. I wondered what what, what was going to happen. Why they were moving the data to Russia? What did that get them? Other than what we now, other than this, and as someone pointed out in one of the news articles I read yesterday, the point of moving the data was that it was closer to the people who wanted to look at it, not closer to its users. Um, people who wanted to spy on the data, so to speak. But this is just. I mean, it's just. This is the fallout of them moving that the data to Russia, and it's just something I can't live with. And it's not an act of hysteria. And if they don't delete a single fandom account, it's still not an act of hysteria. I don't believe there will not be. A, I don't believe for a minute that there will not be a single fandom account deleted because of that user agreement. But even if that didn't happen, even if I was totally proved wrong, it still wouldn't be an act of hysteria. Because you can't, when somebody says your content blatantly on the face of it breaks the user agreement, 
but you should bank on the fact that they're not going to enforce it, which is what all these people are saying who are telling people they're hysterical. What they're saying is your content breaks the user agreement, but bank on the fact that they won't enforce it. Relying on that kind of thought is just stupid. I mean, maybe it's right, but it's still stupid. It's kind of like... You know, it's kind of like those education courses, the sex ed courses where they teach abstinence. Only. <laughs> it's like Umbridge's Defense Against the Dark Hearts class. Oh, you won't need this. You don't need to know. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of a, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a parallel in some of the fanfiction.net purges. Um, people banked on the fact, and they continue to bank on the fact that fanfiction.net is not going to do another mature purge. They put mature content up over there, and and count on, um, and it's but the thing is, every time they count on it, it keeps having people get so angry. They get so mad that their content got deleted, even though it was all along against the, the terms of service. And then when I first joined fandom, I was up. on yeah, I was on fanfiction.net, and early on, I was totally within their TOS. But it didn't take long, obviously, um, to for me to go over that. So, so I was like, oh, okay, I, you know, I, I can't be confined here, and I really didn't even know what what it was up. I really didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't know something about fandom to really understand that I was not in a good place to begin with. So, I moved to WordPress and I took all my content off, and I got a whole bunch of grief for it. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Because I was violating the TOS left, right, and center. They could have deleted my content at any time, and then you wouldn't have any access to it at all. Seriously. Right. And people would just be so outraged when their content was gone one day. And what was bizarre to me is then they'd turn around and put it back. Right. And sometimes it would get purged again, and they get so angry. And, yes, it's inconsistent that they let it go for years and don't do anything about it unless someone complains about it. And believe me, as a, from a reader perspective, there's some great mature content stories over on fanfiction.net. You know, there. Yeah. I would. It would be terrible if they were gone, but I'm expecting them to be gone someday <laughs> because they violate the terms of service. I mean, I so think there's a tipping point on how many times it gets reported. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we have to delete it now. It's been reported 50 times, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they tend to do these other than people. Um, complaining they tend to do mass purges over there it's like okay it's time to get rid of a whole other bunch of mature stories Everybody and it's probably the stories that have been reported yeah on the site. but it's just i mean i and yes it's terrible when your stuff is gone or when it gets deleted um but if you're in violating the terms of service i'm a little bit missed i'm a, not missed i'm a little bit mystified by the indignation over the whole thing, because you knew all along, and the same thing is going to happen on LiveJournal. People are going to people know on the face of it that almost every fandom, not every, but almost every fandom, um, um, LiveJournal account, especially if it has co- any kind of story content, is on the face of it in violation of the user agreement, 
And it's so dumb. So dumb. And they're going to be mad as hell when it gets deleted. Well, what did you expect? It's so dumb it hurts my feelings. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, I don't. Oh, I read I read a post where someone tried to point out that um, one of the that there's a perks to this for fandom. It, they didn't say it kind of directly, but they talked about the fact that there's not these DMCA issues when the servers are in Russia, that they don't have to comply with DMCA takedown notices and stuff. And they said, which is not, you know, and they kind of they pointed out the, and, and I don't think. That, it was just a weird issue for them to bring that up, but it was almost kind of like, um, if you look at this, is kind of good for us. It's bad for, it's bad for content owners, but it's kind of good for fandom if DMCA notices aren't aren't honored on LiveJournal now. And I just kind of, I head tilted so sharply, I almost sprained my neck. I was like, why is that an issue? Yeah, but how can you make that? You a know positive? what? Even I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, even if I wasn't writing um, predominantly gay porn. And even if I wasn't um, pro-gay, if I wasn't politically minded, even if I in no way would violate their TOS, I have a real problem agreeing to be subject to Russian Federation law. Because the country is run by a dick-faced Dictator, fascist dictator, thinks it's perfectly okay to kill people who don't agree with him. Who knew? I mean... It's a terrible thing. So I actually got ahead of the the mass move. So my my personal journal moved really quickly, like in under an hour. Of course, it took um, Evil Author Day about 15, 16 hours for the entries to move, and then another 10 for the comments to move. Um, But... I imagine we should probably all send Dream with some money... (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna get a paid account, even though I'm not them. certain that I. I don't think I need it, but I'm gonna get a paid account just because I think that you know. Like, I'm sorry, we taxed your service. Here's twenty five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but all, you know, it's just o- like all I moved over. I had two communities that I deleted, just deleted wholesale, didn't move them because one of them was way old and the other one um I had never really gotten launched right so they just got deleted and um my my own account I went through most of my posts I had long ago switched to private switched all my posts to private and I just decided not to keep any of them so all I moved over were my user picks and it took like a minute <laughs> I don't know. It's just um, it's super annoying to to be you know to see something like this um, kind of dividing fandom when we should be going okay. Let's all move here. Let's reestablish ourselves. Let's put up our communities. Let's 
get everything organized. Let's get everything. Let's, let's get all our subscriptions done. Instead, we have these assholes who are trying to say it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And then five. I'm going to say 60 days from now, they're going to be bitching and moaning on Twitter and Facebook because all their shit's gone on Live Journal. And meanwhile, we've lost big communities because people bought into their bullshit. Some communities already have a mirror. Some communities always had a mirror. Um... And some communities aren't planning on moving. They're not planning on it. So, um, what really concerns me, like these newsletter communities, um, it's a concern because um, due to the way people subscribe to those, those are all going to show up as mass media um, accounts. And of course, if they don't put their name on it, or Live Journal puts their name on it for them. Ugh. And it gets deleted because they're not adhering to the mass media um, rules about not posting anonymously. And suddenly, newsletters for SGA and and um, Sherlock and and Stargate and not obviously the Stargate um, and NCIS all that is gone because they're not adhering to the mass media rules um, or they're posting a link to an article um, on Sherlock that has a political opinion in it or they're posting links to gay content pro-gay content suddenly they're violating obscenity laws and then all these newsletters disappear Yeah, it's going to be the community. The community, even though from a from a story archival perspective, Live Journal has kind of become antiquated. A lot of people, a lot of people, especially new writers, tend to not embrace Live Journal as their posting media. Um, they tend to use an archive or go to WordPress or whatever to run their own website. Something that doesn't have, especially something that doesn't have um, Live Journal's posting limitations, but. Um, there's still a huge part of the fandom community that that the backbone of it's on Live Journal. Like we talked about the newsletters, the Fix Finder groups, um, all the bang groups, the kink memes, all of that stuff is still hugely. I mean, some of it's mirrored on Dreamwith, and some of it is a minor percentage is only on Dreamwith. But that that fandom backbone is all in Live Journal, and it's really disheartening that fandom is so. Um, it feels like a lot of fandoms sticking their head in the sand on the whole issue. I think the kink means are probably the first thing to go. Oh, yeah. Because they violate everything. <laughs> That's kind of the point of a kink meme, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to violate as much as possible. Well, they're all up in that. Yeah, but when you look at all of the stuff that is... And a lot of that stuff gets a lot of traffic, especially around the times when they are, like, wrapping up, when they're posting stories and stuff. Um, like, I think Stargate uh, SGA is doing their, posting their reverse bangs right now, and they tend to, even though SGA has been off the air for quite a while now, they have a really robust um, fanfic community. And that community gets a lot of traffic. 
So what happens when these things are, if they start vanishing, if they don't have mirrors on DreamWith? And here's a question. If you post content to a community and your individual entry hits 3,000 hits, you've pushed the community into a mass media. But what about you personally? Does your pseudonym on live journals suddenly become a mass media entity? If you post something obscene or politically motivated, a comment somewhere on somebody else's journal, is that enough to get you deleted from live journal completely? I mean, I think Americans are actually really, um, really, really used to saying whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. And I don't think most of us, um, Canadian, British, American, are used to people telling us what we can and cannot say. And we can say, we don't like this, we don't like that, we think this sucks, we like gay porn, we think gays should be able to get married and and adopt babies and puppies and and have beautiful wedding cakes, and suddenly your ass is banned from Live Journal. As far as you're concerned, you've not broken any law in your country, but you violated the fuck out of um, Russian Federation law which you agreed to adhere to when you agreed to that TOS when you logged into LiveJournal on the 4th of April. You agreed to follow Russian Federation law. And even if if being bound by Russian law doesn't particularly bother you, which, whoa, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Dig deep. That doesn't... It is so underhanded the way they rolled out that user agreement. Instead of giving people time to peruse it and decide if they wanted to um, accept or reject it or they had three days to accept it or something, some kind of heads up about what was going to be in it, you had to accept it if you wanted access to your account again. And it's not like you could say no and then go to DreamWith and import it. No, the, the, the import feature bounces off an unaccepted user agreement. We discovered that. Yeah, so you had no choice but to go back over to LiveJournal, agree to their TOS, and then import all your shit. The only way to not what agree I did, to that user and agreement... Then I went and right. The only way to not agree to that user agreement if you have a LiveJournal account is to... Um, um, reconcile yourself to losing everything and never seeing it again. You can't even get in to well, delete no. your account. You can't even get in right. to delete your account. You just can never get access again. So if you want to delete your so. account, if you want to delete your account, you have to go in, accept the user agreement, and then delete it. And if you had a popular, let's say you had a really popular political blog or something that got a lot of hits or continued to get a lot of hits, you'd be foolish to not accept the user agreement, go in, delete it, and then bail. But you still have to accept the user agreement. I mean, that was handled in such an underhanded fashion that it is so offensive. And somebody somebody commented, you know, to me that they that you know 
that this is a business and they're going to care more about making money than than alienating their users. I said, on the face of it, that can't possibly be true because look what they, how they roll out the user agreement. That was designed to alienate their users. If they care about alienating their users, they wouldn't have done it that way. They wouldn't have put up that stupid thing about it not being binding in English. Well, here's the thing that I think some people who are who are of the belief that um, this company in Russia will not be um, cracking down on these issues. It crossed my mind when the new TOS came out that the move to Russia in December and the new TOS um, is more of a cover-their-own-ass than it is anything else. Because somewhere along the line, they're going to have to answer to someone else in their country, uh, their government, about why they have on their servers, on their sites that they own, gay content, pro-gay content, pro-political content, content that um, criticizes Putin, people putting up pictures of Putin makeup, which apparently is illegal in Russia, by the way. Who knew? Um, we all knew. I wonder how he feels with that gay picture of him and Trump on the horse. He probably is not amused. <laughs> so, think about it that way. They, they're they not going to make a stand for you and your gay porn. They're just not. They're not going to face their own government and be charged with obscenity and the propagation of um, pro-gay materials and um, political content that disagrees with um, Russian principles, they're not going to defend you. They're going to delete you to protect themselves. And that's the bottom line. Mm Mm-hmm. Because not only are their users subject to Federation law, Russian Federation law, they themselves are subject to Russian Federation law. And they're not going to throw down with the Russian government to protect fandom. And if you think there are, you're a dumbass. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I thought you already knew. I mentioned it's the first of the podcast. And by the way, my opinions are not Julie's opinions because we're not actually, in fact, the same person. She is not calling you a dumbass, <laughs> yet I'm calling you a dumbass. And I mean it. The people I'm the most annoyed with are the people who want to stay and are misrepresenting the user agreement to make it seem like it's reasonable for them to stay. <laughs> If you want to stay, stay. Whatever. 30 days from now, they'll be crying because all their shit's gone. Just own the fact that you aren't don't want to move, that you don't care about these issues. Fine. Fine. But to misrepresent what is going on to other people, to make it look like you're reasonable for staying, is bullshit. Yeah, I do agree that live journal is a propaganda machine in the making. Um <clears throat> And it um, 
I think I think they bought it for that purpose, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's um, and they want to purge um, content that interferes with their purpose or endangers their purpose or breaks the law in Russia because um, they're not going to keep your content, people. It's not a matter of ignoring it. They don't have a choice. You know, I have to say, I think that the timing of the data server move is very suspicious. Isn't it? They bought LiveJournal <laughs> 10 years ago. 10 years ago they purchased LiveJournal. And they moved it right after Trump gets elected. Doesn't that seem a little peculiar? <laughs> a little. A little. <laughs> but they're not going to risk themselves or their company on you. They're not going to keep no, your pro-gay content. They're not going to keep any of your gay content. They're not going to keep any of your explicit content. They're not going to keep any content that has a political opinion that will offend P- Putin because they're not going to risk being jailed or fined for violating Russian law. Especially if you have a permanent account. They have no reason. If you're free or permanent, they have they have zero reason to go to bat for you. To take a not go to bat for you, to even take a risk on you. It's not even a matter of them going to bat for you. They they have no reason to take a risk on something that doesn't improve and doesn't bring them revenue. It's just, it's, they're not going to take a risk for you. They're not going to take a stand. So, um, you need to move your shit. Straight as up. As a funny aside, as a funny aside, in, in, the, in the midst of all of this, I can tell how quickly the, the migrations are going. Because I get all, we all, you know, we all, we all get them. These little messages from DreamWith about the people who have subscribed to our blog and or granted us access. And um, usually they come in pairs. The person subscribes to your blog and grants you access to their blog. And then you go back and you do the same thing, right? So a little, little quid pro quo, whatever. It amuses the hell out of me. Now, sometimes people just subscribe to my blog, but they don't grant me, a- but they don't, uh, grant me access to theirs. It's sort of like saying, hey, if you want to subscribe, go ahead, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, um, but what amuses the hell out of me is when somebody grants me access to their blog but doesn't subscribe to mine. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I have subscribed to very few people, um, but I'll grant anybody access who grants me access. Um, but I had 50 or 60 yesterday. Um, I haven't looked today. I was. Mm, let's see. I have six new. I have six new ones. So that's people who have um, poured it in. I just found it very amusing that somebody would just. That, and actually, I don't. I don't recognize anybody by their user. Some of these usernames I do not recognize. Right. 
So some of the names are not the same between the sites, or they're not a name I know people by. So it's just hysterical when somebody grants me access, and that's it. They aren't subscribing to my content. They're just letting me know that if I want to come see their content, I can. <laughs> Sometimes there is a one-way thing there going on, but it's usually the other one way. You know, like I subscribe I to somebody who doesn't like subscribe that, to me. That grant access thing is like the Dreamless version of friending. No, that's subscribing. Well, subscribing isn't the same thing as friending because subscribing gets con- you you get content, but you wouldn't get private content, whereas mutual access gives you private content. Right, but if somebody just so, gives me access to their blog but doesn't request access to mine, I don't get requests to access mine. No, no I you get, have to grant it. Right. I get two. I get grant access. Well, I've been given access and a subscription, right? Um, but I think the mutual access thing is like friending on Dreamwith. That's kind of how I saw it. Because without that access, they can't read um, friend-only or private, you know, friends-only entries are only available if you have access to the journal. So it's like saying... Oh. Um, but subscription is, you know, you get notifications in your read panel. Mm. Your reading page. <clears throat> and you also can get notifications in your inbox when someone posts something new. But mutual access also, it it populates your um, your reading panel, pa- panel, I believe. So that, you know, when you go to read, you get content yeah, in your reading panel. I haven't figured out all of the... Yeah, it's very it's it's a little bit different because on LiveJournal it was definitely handled differently than this in terms of you friended people but you determined who you wanted to see. Um, like I, I put people, I mean there really was only friending. There wasn't this access. I mean people could follow you, but um, I think no, following that. That was subscribing commu- on Dream. That's a community. That's communities. With friends, there's really only one way to there's only only one way to get access to people, and that was. You friended them, and then you decided if you were going to, like, get email notifications. But if you were a friend of somebody, they always showed up in your friend's feed. I don't know. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. Three, so there's a couple of wise asses on the podcast who just went and granted me access. <laughs> we see you. <laughs> but I do think granting access is friending and um subscribing is like notifications. Um and I think that if you're granted access that um you can go look at their journal. I mean I but I'm not sure how the reading pa- I, I think the reading panel is just your subscriptions. We well, obviously need a manual for Dreamwith. We do. We're still um, trying to figure it out, but we will We will conquer it. Right, because like I said, I don't think it's more difficult than LiveJournal. It's just not something that we're used to. And we're going to yeah. get used and to it, obviously. And there's some things that aren't very intuitive. And well, and I, I, <laughs> I was talking to somebody earlier, and I said, man, the search feature is weird. And they said, weirder than LiveJournals? And I went, okay, granted, I'll shut up about the search feature. <laughs> I could 
never used the fucking search feature on LiveJournal. It never worked oh, yeah, for me. Of, I couldn't even search my own shit. I couldn't search my yeah. own shit. I'm just saying. <clears throat> Anyways, today I had an MRI. I've never had... I... Well, that's a... Thought. Now I know what you, I had an MRI. <laughs> what you need to value for. Um, I thought as a teenager I had an MRI, but I was mistaken. I had um something different. Cause I don't remember ever having that experience in my life. I'm going to tell you a story. I had this reoccurring nightmare where I'm stuck in a cave. And it's a big circle. A big circle room, a, a big room, it's, and there's lots of room in it, and there are all these tunnels, these little tunnels in the that are in the wall. It um, sounds like you have had a CT, an MRI, probably when you were a kid. No, I think I probably did have a CT scan when I was a kid. Um, I have the only time I've ever been to MRI is when I had my um, my. Uh, bone biopsy and my butt was exposed remember the mooning yeah ah, yes. um, but that was different because it was just my butt and it was actually really wide open because they were going to do surgery so they had to have room to get in there anyway so I had this recurring oh, dream where the I'm machine okay. was really wide open I was like the way that came out I was like it was just my butt and it was really wide open and I was like you're very blase about it that it really did it really felt that way. It was a fucking work of art. My ass is a work, of, a work of art. Anyway, so I'm in this dream, and there are all these little tunnels. And up in the roof, um, I can see the sun, so there's light, right? Um, so it isn't dark, but I can, I can see every detail of this cave, where I'm at, where I'm stuck. And each tunnel has light at the end of it. So one of them has to be my way out, right? But I keep crawling up into them and getting stuck because it, it gets too small for any human so maybe a tiny infant who can't crawl to, to get through. And then I have to back out and try again. And I keep losing track of the of which ones I've been up and which ones I haven't. So in the dream, I always start marking them. And I mark them one by one. And I, I, it starts out like there's ten, but after I have ten marks, there's ten more that aren't marked. And it goes on and on and on until I wake up. And it's it's nightmarish. I mean, it is really it's a really stressful dream to have. And um, today, now I would have told anybody that um, I conquered my claustrophobia decades ago. Uh, the, the doctor mentioned during my brief visit that um, she could prescribe me something for anxiety if she thought if I thought I needed it. I was like, no, I'll be fine. down on this metal table and they put my head in the cage so I couldn't move it since it was an MRI on my head then she rolled me into this tube I felt like I was in a straw I am 100% convinced that I could not apparate from Harry Potter I would have to use port keys with flu <laughs> Does <laughs> it really feel like you're being squeezed through a straw? I can't do that shit. No, absolutely not. And it was 15 minutes. It was the longest 15 minutes of my fucking life. 
I could not move. And I had a little emergency button in my hand. It was like a little squeeze bottle. It kind of looked like the end of a baby's nose cleaner, you know, squeezy. So I had it in one hand, and my I was so nervous that my hands and feet were like ice, and my chest, my heart was thundering. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I cried. I got so upset, but I didn't want to her to pull me out because now I have to do it all over again. I thought I'm going to get through this, right? And so I managed to not push the button, and and for a long time, and what I thought we were almost done. So I was like, I pushed the button. I was like, okay, tell me how much longer we have to be in here. I have, I just tell me. And she said, six minutes. I said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I said, it's already been an hour. And she said, no, ma'am, it's not. <laughs> you got six minutes. And so um, at one point, I was so freaked out that I came precariously close to asking her to bring my husband back to hold my hand. Because I was so freaked out. And um, so finally it was over. And if I had not been caged in, my head had not been caged in, I would have shimmied out of that thing like a snake. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me out. they cage you in. If my head had not been in a vice, I would have been... <laughs> the, the, the thing is actually a signal amplifier um, because they only do that when you're getting MRIs that are for the head or neck. Um, so if you're going in for your mid-back, they'd have something around your um, strap. There is no stomach. fucking way I could, uh-uh, mm-mm. Um, so I didn't, I didn't get the volume, and I should have. It was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Next time I, if I ever have to do it again, I'm going to ask for three. Like, can you just admit me and, like, give me a sedative? <laughs> yeah, about Twilight anesthesia. Can I have some Michael Jackson drugs? I'm really not opposed to them. <laughs> Just put me out. I am. Um, I my first MRI. Actually, it was my first MRI. It was my second. My second MRI. Because um, we didn't get an answer from the first one, so go to do the second one. And they had this one of those portable trucks, you know, because this is this was early in MRI technology days, and um, before they had open MRIs. I only do open MRIs now because this experience with the MRI made me claustrophobic. And um, my MRI was supposed to be uh, scheduled for an hour. And um, it was in one of those trucks that drove from hospital to hospital. And the table broke while I was in the tube. And we were we were partway through, um, about halfway through the the thing. And he, I don't I don't know what the deal was. But he said something like, "You know, if I pull you out, when we get when we get the table fixed, we're gonna have to, you know, if I if I literally if I like, grab your ankles and we try to shimmy you out of in there, because I mean." I, I got big boobs, and those tubes are small. And I mean, like I could not see yeah. the light for the boobies. And um, yeah, my tits are almost you touching out, the top of the tube. Oh, mine do. Mine definitely touch the top. Um, he said, "If I pull they you out, we're going to start over." But now they're like all, you know, gravity. <laughs> he said, "But if he said if you can stay in there and you can stay still when we get the table, when we get the everything, we might be able to pick up the the test from where it was." He said, "I, I can't promise, but maybe." And we spent two hours of maybe, maybe, maybe we can restart the test. Maybe any minute now it'll be fixed. Any minute now it'll be fixed. Any minute now it'll be fixed. And I was like, I am losing my mind. You have got to get me out of this thing. I was by the time they got the machine working again, 
He said, okay, we are going to have to start over. I said, no, you are going to get me out of this thing. <laughs> you are going to get me out of this thing right now. I'm not finishing this. I was completely freaked out because I spent two hours second that tube. That's ah, terrible. Torture. So now I can only do open. Even, even open MRIs are still fairly restrictive. They're more restrictive than a CT scanner. Um, I don't know why they call it open because they are not that open. No, mine was supposedly an open um, MRI, but the way I ha- I was, my elbows touched the sides. That's not open. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I had my, my butt biopsy, I could spread my arms out on either side of me. That's an yeah, open that's MRI. A- I don't know what the fuck calling <laughs> with that tube I was in today, a fucking open MRI. If that's an open one, I wouldn't want to see one of the ones that's not open. Is it a fucking coffin? Uh, the not open ones, they are your um, when I had my um, the one done of my um neck, um in in the in the in the little tube, um I, I was I was in it from below my knees to the top of my head. Oh no, absolutely. And what I don't understand is they were just doing my head. I don't know why I was I was in it from the waist up. Why couldn't I just be in it from the tits up? I'm just saying. Yeah, that would make sense. It would have been much less stressful for me if I had had more openness around my body. And I, you know, I was shaking when I got out of it. I cried. Um, I, I come out of it, and um, I, I come out to the, to the waiting room. My husband was like, "We gotta go now. We have to leave now." <laughs> I go get in the car. He was like, "What's wrong with you?" I said, "I can't be in the building with that thing." <laughs> Well, and it's not just—it's not just because it's not just the confined space for me. Barb mentioned it's also the noise. They are so noisy, and even though you—you you, doesn't matter what kind of earplugs you got on. One of the places I went to actually put headphones on you and piped in music. You could I bring in your own CD, today. and they'd pi- they'd pipe in your own music. But it doesn't matter what you can still hear that banging, and it's incessant for the whole time you're in there. I had headphones today. I, I listened to piano music. Um, and, um, what was really, I think the most psychologically difficult for me is that in situations where I'm uncomfortable or where I'm in pain, I often retreat into my, into my mind and, and write. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had to have my bone set in my foot, I wrote in my head. When I had to go through a ultrasound with my gallbladder, which was excruciating, I wrote in my head, and I got through it. I could not write today in my head. So not only was I trapped physically, it trapped me mentally, too, and I have never had that particular experience. And I think that's the reason that I got so freaked out, because I've never had something do that to me. Even with a severe migraine, I can still write in my head. It's really relaxing to write in my head, which I, which is why I chose it. That's that's uh, that's my go-to, right? That's why it's okay. Give me some piano music. I don't need anything with lyrics. Um, and I'll write in my head. It's just 15 minutes. I can do this. I could not do it. I have never. I mean, I had a root canal conscious and wrote in my head. I 
I could not write in my head today. I don't know if it was the noise or the confinement or both. Or the head cage or the fact that you can't see anything. All of it. Yeah, just all of it. Yeah. You know, it's the visual, being visual, it's it's weird. The visual trapped is almost worse than that. Because even in an open MRI, I I feel visually trapped because I cannot look anywhere that I can see out of the thing I'm in. Because my boobs touch the top of the machine, even in an open MRI. I kept my eyes closed. I kept my eyes closed. I couldn't look. But I, think I couldn't I, keep my eyes I open. I, I think I, sometimes it's harder to concentrate than others in the machines. I've had at least a dozen MRIs. So it's eventually I learned how to kind of, I guess, um, be able to get in my head despite the noise and the trap. But it's it's not it, – it, my last MRI, like Barb, Barb and I uh, had the same experience with that. It was we had an hour and a half MRI, which was 45 minutes without contrast. And they didn't tell me this part till I was already there. 45 minutes without the dye, and then they pull you out, put the dye in, and do the whole test over. It's like, Mm-mm. well, what do you mean? Because I knew it was with contrast, but I didn't know they were doing a comparison. So, well, the clerk, um, the, the technician was really awesome. She, um, I, at one point, I got really upset, and she came in there and she rubbed my leg. <laughs> She's like, "It'll be okay. Just take deep breaths. You don't want to have to do this again. You're almost done." And she, you know, she was just really, you know. Um, but also, she put a pillow under my legs to um, lower the pressure on my back, so it didn't hurt to be on that metal table because she elevated my legs so that it wasn't putting pressure on my spine. They probably, they probably, I mean, they have, they must have to hire people who are empathetic and good. Because I've never had a bad MRI tech. Now I've had people bad on the scheduling side who didn't inform me of stuff. But I mean, they must deal with a lot of panic attacks and stuff in those rooms because she was it's a horrifying she was, experience. She was very young though. I mean, I think she probably could have been my daughter, <laughs> as age-wise goes. Um, but um, she was very, you know, she. She was on her game, and then um, she helped me up because I, I was shaking, and I, I broke a sweat, um, and um, she just was really calm and, you know, didn't rush me, and it was just, she was great, but the the experience itself was terrible, and um, I never would have say to no be to Valium. just to have another one. I will never again turn down Valium. Here's a qu- here's the thing about that, people, to keep in mind. When someone offers you Valium, in advance of an experience, take that as the warning it is. And depending on mm-hmm. your level of regular anxiety, ask for more than one. Because the next time my doctor asks me if I want a Valium, I'm going to say, can I have three? <laughs> <laughs> I won't drive. <laughs> I remember getting I remember getting a breast biopsy. Um, I was 28, I think, 28. And... Um, I go in to the um, to the place to get the biopsy because I, I had a lump in my breast and trying to be precancerous, which is the most terrible thing you can be told because, oh, it's not actually cancer, but we're going to treat it like it is. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Thank you. Precancer. Um, anyways, um, I go in to get it, and I, I sign in, right? And the nurse said the doctor um, has prescribed you um, two Valium. Uh, if you want them. And I said, no, I don't need them. <laughs> I go to sit down. 
And what I really did not understand about the needle biopsy, which is what I had, is it's not actually a needle. But more importantly, they don't knock you out. And I'm sitting there with a couple other women. We're sitting there and we're chatting, you know, where they pull on yours. And we're talking about our boobs. And we, we all have husbands there and they're all trying to avoid discussion of boobs. <laughs> and we hear this high-pitched scream. Now, I didn't know why this woman screamed. But I stood right up, and I wasn't the only one in the waiting room to stand up. I went back to the nurse. I said, you know what? I think I'd like that volume now, please. (laughs) And I got my volume, and I took it. And um, I, I, I go back to do the biopsy. And that's when I found out it wasn't actually a needle. Why do they call it a needle, a needle biopsy? They call it a needle biopsy because they can't actually explain what it really is or you would never agree to it. Mm-hmm. Because it, what it really is is this springy kind of extraction device that they shove into your tit and they wrap that spring around the um, lump and jerk it out. It's like using the spring from an ink pen, only it's a little bigger. And they shove it into your tit, wrap it around the lump, and they jerk it out. They rip your flesh. And that's not me exaggerating. <sighs> that is exactly what happened. But worse, this bastard missed. He missed the lump. So he had to go back in and do it twice. And the thing is, is I had, at the time, I was very young, and I, I'm a double D. So my breast tissue was really th- thick, right? So he used Novocaine. To numb the area. Makes sense, right? It wears off quickly. It's not really a problem for anybody. You rarely ever encounter anybody who has a problem with Novocaine. It makes perfect sense. Except he did not numb deeply enough. Ow. So on his uh, first half, it was just a little pressure. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. He said, oh, honey, I missed. I'm sorry. I'll have to go back in. I said, really? And he said, yeah, I'm so sorry. So he goes back in. And he got it. But the lump was deeper than the Novocaine. And then I realized why that woman had screamed. Because I screamed too. And so what they get me up. They get awesome. me settled. And they they bandage me. They give me a little surgical glue. And they could suck a tiny little incision. Well, not anything big. It didn't even require stitches. Um, and he told me they put a little dot in there. So that future mammograms, they'd be able to see where the lump was. And they would see the scar tissue and would know what that scar tissue was. Makes perfect sense. Okay, so I'm sitting there, and the nurse is um, rubbing my back because <laughs> it hurt a lot, and it hurt a lot after. After and he was like, um, "So could you give me on a scale of one to ten um, the level of pain you experienced when I extracted the um, material?" I said, "One being orgasm and." 10 being your cold-blooded murder, it was an 11. And he said, okay, I'll just be going now. <laughs> and the nurse said, are you, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay. Go tell that asshole to write me a prescription for morphine, at least two pills. <laughs> and she came back with a prescription. It wasn't morphine, but it was similar. Um, and <laughs> it was like, I, th- I think he actually gave me six pills. It was a, um, a, a coding mix, I believe. It was 
nice. It, it it did the job. But I can't believe he ran and didn't fucking give me um pain medication. You little that jerk asshole. face. <laughs> but she did come back with a prescription. Um, and I never saw him again because <laughs> it was unreal. It was unreal. I did it. Had a nail biopsy of a tumor. Um. And it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of thing because they weren't removing the whole lump, but it wasn't a needle either. I don't know why they called it that because it was I had the tumor was right above my heart, so I had to do it in a CT scan. So it's like they would you know they numbed everything up and then they'd start and they kind of go in at an angle through your ribs um, and through your boob too, and um, they put they put the needle in a certain amount. And then they put you in the scanner to see where it's positioned, and they pull you out in advance. But again, it's not a fucking needle. Yeah, it's like in and out, in and out. But the, well, it's actually a shunt that they're kind of. It's like a little shunt that they're putting in there. But they are putting, they are guiding, going in with a needle at first, so they kind of go in with it because they have to numb you up and everything. And so you're in and out of the scanner like ten times. So while they are trying to get everything positioned correctly to take the biopsy. And they kept telling me not to look, not to look, because I'm I'm mentally visualizing that there's a big old needle in my chest, right? And they tell me they're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move you out, take you out of the scanner again. Don't look, don't look. I looked. <laughs> you know, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is down, that? <laughs> I'm like, why the fuck is that giant tube in my chest? What is that? <laughs> don't look, don't look. Again, when someone tells you not to look, don't look. Don't look. Take your volume. <laughs> Take your volume. I, you know, it's just um, shit, man. It's just shit. I just, mm I um, I'm, I am no. There is no way I'll ever be able to do another MRI. Um. At least conscious. They're gonna to have to give me some fantastic drugs if if, if they want another one. I, I just don't think I can do it. But I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought I, I thought I knew. No, I did not they know. Keep, they candid them completely sedated. Now, on the other hand, I will tell you that if you're doing an MRI of like your lower body, you go in feet first. I can handle that. Yeah, I had an MRI Probably. of my foot when I broke it, and um, mm-hmm. and uh. He, um, that was actually one of the funniest moments I ever had with a doctor. Is this podiatrist decided that what well, my pain in my foot was not caused by a break, even though I hadn't had X-rays, and that it must be some kind of soft tissue injury. And um, so he ordered MRI without ever doing an X-ray. So I got the MRI first, and the MRI comes back with three broken bones. <laughs> but that's when I learned you go in foot first. I think I've had like um, was you know, I I broken both my feet, but I think I just had X-rays on both. Well, I should have just had an X-ray but, because they usually don't need to, unless there's there's some kind there's some kinds of fractures that might not show up on small bones in um in an X-ray, but these showed up on the X-ray, um, and actually the the it was in the radiologist's reports. It's like why didn't this woman have an X-ray first? Her injury is apparent. <laughs> Why'd you waste our fucking time? I don't know. You know, it just um, there's just no fucking way I'll never I'll ever be able to know they're MRI conscious. I um I didn't know what I was getting into. 
So I didn't have time to build up any kind of anxiety. If I'd had time to build anxiety, plus the anxiety that I got while I was in it, I would have had a complete fucking meltdown. I know me. There's just no way. So, no. But they can do them under complete sedation. And I'll be telling my doctor to put a note on my file and say, You'll wake up an hour and a half later and you'll be like, Oh, that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) I expect drugs, good drugs. I, you know, I mean, and I really did have a root canal wide awake. I plotted a whole book during that root canal. And that, I think, is the problem. That's why it's lingering for me. It's not so much the physical um, trap that I was in. It's the mental one. I have never had that happen to me before. Ever. My mind palace, so to speak, has always been my um, escape. And to not be able to go there... It closed its door on you. Was really, really deeply uncomfortable. I have never had that experience before in my life, and I never want to have it again. I woke up at the end of carpal tunnel surgery, and the doctor told me not to look. <laughs> of course, I tried. I this is actually pretty embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I had to have a colonoscopy, um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, that's when they stick a camera camera up your all the way up up your butt <laughs> as far as they can go. I right? was wide awake Not for mine. Not more than one because my um, grandmother had um, colon cancer. That's what she died of. And so all the women in my family are very conscientious about it. Um, and I get a colonoscopy every five years. The first one, I slept through it, no problem. The second one, this is my fault, and I should have told the anesthesiologist when um, I went in. Um, I had several asthma attacks that day, and I use albuterol for emergency um, treatment. Well, albuterol is a steroid, and it's also a stimulant. And I had actually used my albuterol inhaler. Steroid. It's not a steroid. You sure? No, but you might be. You it might have one of the combined ones. You might have one of the combined. I do ones, have like um. Mine's a steroid. That have steroids and in it, but albuterol is a bronchodilator. It is a stimulant, yeah. Yeah, mine's both. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it, could, it could be a combo drug, but the albuterol itself is not. Uh, um. Yeah, because mine says mine actually has a warning on it about steroid use, about having a, because I have to watch what drugs I take with it. Mm, yeah, so there's probably it's probably a combination drug. Okay, so my inhaler has is albuterol plus something. I'm not sure what it is, um, but it's a stimulant, and um, uh, albuterol wires me. I'll be like, <laughs> it's it, it's actually oh, yeah, better it gives than you the jitters. So if I am super tired, I'm not afraid to puff on my inhaler to to get me through something. Two or three times that day, and I didn't tell the anesthesiologist, and I should have. I I really didn't cross my mind. 
until I woke up in the middle of my colonoscopy. And I hit my doctor. Because, hello? <laughs> That's my butt. <laughs> I woke up in the middle. Of, and I swung back and I hit her. Right? So, but they got me back down and um, finished it up. And uh, I was still kind of, I was kind of woozy and drugged. And um, my husband comes back. <laughs> he tells me this story all the time. I don't know if I believe it, but he says that I told him it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. So if you do take um uh, stuff like that that has stimulants in them that, you know, kind of... And, you know, also, some people bounce off the wall with things that would be unexpected. Like, I had a friend who had the exact opposite reaction to anesthesia that practically everybody else has. And um, she was ready to run a marathon after they got it in her. And she just totally had an opposite reaction. Um, and they had to use a different drug to get her down for her surgery. It was pretty funny. And um, but just be careful uh, with your, especially if you're in a surgery that you should not wake up from. And a colonoscopy isn't something you should worry about waking up. It's it's not painful or anything. It's just a a camera up your butt. Uh, it's just not something you want. I want to remember. It isn't something that I wanted to have a have any kind of intellectual experience oh. with. And yet I do. I remember both of mine in glorious detail because doctors never believe me. That, ster- that, uh, that the sedatives do not work on me. As a matter of fact, they make me hyper. I have an idiosyncratic reaction to most sedatives. And so they give me Versed and Fentanyl, and I bounce off the walls and talk. And, I, you know, I, he only has himself to blame because I told him, on the second one I told him, I said, Versed makes me hyper. And he goes, uh-huh. And I was like, is that the voice of patronization I hear? Fine. <laughs> I've done this awake once. I don't mind doing it awake again. And um, gave me the medicine, and I started getting really talkative because when I get hyper, I start to talk. And so I started asking a lot of questions. <laughs> he said, why don't you give her a little bit more? I was like, good idea. <laughs> so they gave me another dose. And I got so hyper I could barely sit still. <laughs> or lie Oh, no. Oh, my God. It took, the, the colonoscopy took twice as long because every time he advanced the camera, I'd go, where are you now? <laughs> <laughs> Because I was looking, I was watching the screen, right? And I go, what is that? <laughs> is that not Everest? Like, and, <laughs> and, and when they came to talk, when the nurse came to talk to me in um, in the recovery room, because I went in and they told me that um, when I when I went in, I was wide awake and chatting with the person pushing, and the nurse comes over and I said. The person in the recovery room came over, and I said, can I go? I'm totally ready to go. I'm sure my ride's already here. Just me, If you can just give me my clothes. She was like, honey, you've had a lot of medication. And then she stops and goes, why aren't you asleep? And I was like, they gave me way too much sedative. <laughs> and the nurse came in, and she said, the doctor noted in your chart that you have an idiosyncratic reaction to, to uh, sedatives and that we shouldn't give them to you in the future. I said, hey, it would have been better. And she said that. 
that was really an unfortunate experience. <laughs> and I said, hey, for me more than you guys, I can tell you, he brought that on himself because I told him that I react badly to Versed. And doctors just don't like to believe you when you say stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, she In thinks the future, she's a... And I'm not lecturing you particularly, Jilly. If you have a doctor that dismisses what you say about that shit, ask for a new doctor. Yeah. Now, her situation, it wasn't particularly dangerous. Could be funny, depending on your point of view. Obviously, people in the chat room thought it was pretty funny. But there are certain situations where you cannot afford to have your doctor ignore you about your own damn body. Yeah, if you know... I mean, who knows your body better than you do? Well, I have, and I have, I have I had, had nurse. the endoscopy too, but I thankfully slept through that. If I woke up in the middle of an endoscopy, I'd have cussed somebody out. That That's when they go down too. your throat. Mm-mm. Yep. Mm-mm. You have like a nightmarish experience with medical doctors. I, I just don't know what to do about you, Jilly. <laughs> Well, there's not a procedure that I've had that you're supposed to be asleep for that I wasn't awake for because of this reaction to um, sedatives. Um, there was one. Drugs? No, there was one. I told one of the anesthesiologists for one of my because I get these injections in my spine, and because they can't, they don't want to pierce your spine. They do them under, you know, they have to do them under um, X-ray and all this kind of stuff so they can actually watch where the needles are going. But anyway. Um, so I do them fairly regularly, and, but you, the radiologist, even though the doctor's the, always the same, the um, anesthesiologist is always a toss-up. And the doctor, even though she knows the sedative doesn't work, they still insist on giving it to me. Whatever. Um, but so he's actually paying attention to me when I'm talking. They call you the night before, and they talk about your procedure and your medical history. And so I tell him that, that you know, these sedatives don't do anything for me and I'd rather actually not have them because they they put limits on me for 24 hours after I've had them for medication that does nothing, right? So he said, oh, well, let me try something different. And um, he gave me, um, he decided that he would try ketamine as a sedative. He gave um, you ketamine? A lot of it. And um, it wasn't really working, so he gave me more. And the thing is, I've had ketamine before as part of a sedative, but not in the dose that he gave it to me. And um, I got, I I definitely was hallucinating, but I was not asleep. I was not asleep. I was hallucinating, but I was not asleep. So I uh, had a weird reaction to the whole thing where I got super hot and I started running a fever. And just dripping sweat. I mean, the water was pouring off of me from some weird reaction to the ketamine. And, like, while she's still working and putting the needles in, like, um, sweat just starts to pool on my back. And you could hear the drops hitting the floor as this water starts to pour off. I mean, by the time they got me off the table, the sheets were completely soaked um, my gown was completely wet. The gown that I was wearing, everything was completely soaked with sweat. And all I was doing was lying there. And it was some quirky reaction to the ketamine, which I, I had never had that reaction with the ketamine before. So either it was the ketamine by itself or it was the other medication they gave with the ketamine. But between the two, and so he said, well, did you find it? So later he came to talk to me. He said, well, the sweat thing. He said, we don't want to do that again because 
you know, we, it was like an hour that they were having to give me IV fluids because I was pumping out, sweating so much. And I was running a fever about 102. And he said, we want to, he said, I'm just curious, did you find it sedating? Did it feel sedating? And I said, no, not particularly, but it did feel, um, I could tell I was kind of hallucinating a little bit. He said, well, that's not a good thing. <laughs> And he said, well, I think you just, you know, you, you need to, he said, when you tell people that sedatives do not work on you, the most class sedatives do not work on you, you are absolutely right. <laughs> he said, because if we can't put you out with ketamine, I don't know what else we would try. Because well, we've had several things here. He said, and if the ketamine didn't do it, I don't know anything we could give you that is not actually anesthesia is going to work. So the only thing, so you can't take anesthesia, you just can't do sedatives. Right. Can you do a twilight anesthesia? Nope. Mm. They've tried. I'm awake for the whole thing. So I get twilight anesthesia? with um, my colonoscopy. Now, I have a friend who did that with traditional anesthesia. They gave it to her, and she was bouncing off the walls. What well, the hell could they possibly give her? I mean, they that they would probably have to give her an epidural for a surgery, and she'd be awake through it. My God, what a horrible experience! Because ortho, because like a lot of my surgeries have been orthopedic, and orthopedic surgeries are very violent. So, like, even if you could be awake, you wouldn't want to be awake for some of that shit, right? I mean, there's like pulleys and harnesses and you know, hacking and sawing and, you know. It's terrible. I, to have to be awake for that would be just awful. No, so I'm, I'm glad that anesthesia actually works. But no, nothing that's classed as a sedative or they use in twilight sedation actually does anything. Except potentially have a paradoxical reaction. No reaction would be better than the paradoxical reaction. All this medical discussion is worse than the live journal discussion. Yeah. Oh, poor Barbara. <laughs> Actually, that kind of that that kind of tiny surgery is not, you know, that's very small. The nose. But like when I had my shoulder surgery done, I asked the doctor if I could be awake, and he said no. He said no. It would be it, it would be very distressing for you. He said even though I could numb you up completely for that surgery, it would be very distressing for you to be awake through what I'm going to do to your shoulder. Wow! Wow! They just say, yeah, that's, that's just, this is going to be a fucked up experience. You need to be unconscious for this. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he's a, he's a, if they offer you volume, not take the volume. Put a sheet up. <laughs> that's right. When they say, don't look, when they say, you really want to be unconscious for this, they are not kidding. <laughs> My mom, on the other hand, gave birth to me with a mirror. She literally watched me come out her hoo-ha with a mirror. 
I wouldn't want to see my own. I mean, I've wa- I've seen people give birth a couple times, um, and it it's one thing to see that happening to somebody else's body. If it was my own, I'd be like, put that alien back in there. <laughs> I don't, it's just gonna have no, to stay because I am out. not oh letting God. that happen. I don't. You're I don't. Not. Uh, uh, you have to cut it out the old fashioned way. <laughs> I want all the drugs possible. <laughs> I'd rather have a C-section and be unconscious, truth be known. <laughs> Just saying, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not. Man-made drugs, why, why would you turn down drugs? I mean, I mean, you know, you don't get many opportunities to have that kind of drug experience legally. I said I would want to be unconscious, not that they would let me, unless I fainted. If I fainted, would they let me stay out, you know, because I'm, you know, just saying. Not that I'll ever have that opportunity, but um, my sister had a C-section, and yes, she was awake for it. I just would not want to be. Well, there's there's epidural and um, mind palace, and between the two... Like, excuse me, I'm going to be writing in my head. Let me know when the baby's here. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything from anyone between now and then. <laughs> Give me my headphones. <laughs> I, would, yeah, I, would like, I would like my earbuds, please. Thank you. <laughs> Let me know when it's over. Meanwhile, my husband's passed out on the floor. <laughs> my sister said it was horrible because while she didn't feel anything um, pain-wise, she felt them rooting around in her body. She said it was like they were digging around her insides. And, of course, they were digging the baby out. And she said it felt like her organs were being um, moved around and, li- and lifted, because they were being moved around and lifted. Um, and, uh, no, she... <laughs> Your uterus is removed from your body. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. No, no, nah, dog. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's all supposed to. Does everything stay where it's supposed to be? I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, I'd, I'd be that person that once the uterus was out, you, you can keep that. I don't need it back. Because <laughs> this isn't ever happening again. <laughs> <clears throat> After my mom had my sister, and they they um, um, she had some there were some problems with the delivery anyway, and so they asked her. He he said we're going to need to do a C-section, and mom's like, just go ahead and do it now. Just don't bother. Take, I don't, just go. And she said, and by the way, just just take it all. She said they, they took her ovaries too because she's like just just go ahead and let's get the whole thing over with right now. <laughs> We're not doing this ever again. <laughs> I don't want anybody in there again for any reason. My sister did get um, with her last C-section because she, she she had two C-sections. Um, with her second C-section, she did get a hysterectomy. <laughs> she said, "You don't gotta put anything back. <laughs> just go ahead and keep so it. You take out." Because usually, yeah, if you want something to take it out of your body, it's like, do I want that back? (laughs) 
you're like asking if I want my gallbladder back. Not really. No, no, you can keep that. <laughs> Not missing thing. it. Anyways, I have not written anymore because I had that terrible headache and then, you know, um, C-section and then I did taxes today on personal taxes, um, which was just about as traumatic. on top of an MRI with no Valium? (laughs) I know, right? What the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) You're just starting to understand the the level of my masochism, aren't you? (laughs) Yes. I had a really bad day. I think I'm going to go home and do my taxes. (laughs) I finally started doing some writing, finally, because I have discovered that I have been able, writing, except for for a really bad migraine, I'm pretty much can, I can write in my head when I have a migraine, but I cannot sit at a computer when I have a migraine and, and type. But almost any other kind of pain, I writing actually helps me put it out of my mind. Helps me not focus on it. I discovered that I can't write and be covered in hives. It just doesn't work. There's something about itching from head to toe that is not conducive for writing at all. It's like because you know, it's like, you know, my hands touch the keyboard, scratch, 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 go back to keyboard, scratch, scratch, scratch. 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 Scratch, scratch, yeah. scratch, scratch. I've written 10K, so I feel good about the challenge. I mean, I still got the rest of the month to write 15K um, for that part. And um, I still have my I've, – I've reimagined my kill list because I um, had to reorganize a little bit. Um, and I've got 49 people that could potentially die between now and Chapter 30. <laughs> Just saying. Nice. <laughs> No, right? 49. No, but I got I got started on steroids today, and it's calmed the hives right down, and I feel like a new girl. I feel all new again. Like I'm not thinking about... Do you know what pops into my head? And this is going to date me and, and, make me and make you realize exactly how old I am. Like a virgin popped into my head. Immediately. <laughs> but I already knew how old you if were. If you had sung it, I would not have been surprised. I've been like, yeah, go girl. <laughs> you know what my sister and I watched today? We were doing it, had an 80s what? nostalgia moment. We watched Crawl. And, I love um, Crawl. Oh, my God, I fucking love Crawl. <laughs> there, there are big sections of that movie that I could, I remember line for line, and then there are other sections where it's like, I did not remember this whole aliens from outer space thing. Anyway. Is this um, a new scene? <laughs> I know. I was like, is this I said, director's cut. I asked, did you get an extended edition or something? And she's like, no. I was like, do you remember the credits being the space travel thing? And she's like, no, but I'm sure it was. But anyway, I was. Um, Maybe we didn't watch the credits when we were young because credits. We we're bored. <laughs> yeah, they were bored. We're done. But, Happily ever um, after. Next movie. Rewind. I said. Sp- <laughs> I spent the whole movie making fun of the the, the main character's pants. <laughs> my sister's the original like, skinny jeans. Yeah, colon. My sister's like, um, I think that they want us to believe that that's leather. And I was like, let's be real. It's the 80s. That's like spandex. That's definitely spandex. And it's striped spandex, too. And she's like, oh, we spent the whole movie making fun of this guy's pants. 
I was like, well, being 80s, he could go right from the set to jazzercise in those pants. <laughs> yeah, but where was the cod piece? I always, I always have to miss an opportunity without putting a cod piece in that costume. I'm just saying. Yeah, that was just, a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, yeah, it did. It, it, there was something kind of lacking in that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite 80s movies, besides Crawl, I really, really love Crawl. Um, I love Night of the Comet. Oh, Night of the Comet's it. a great movie. I love it. Girls just want to have fun. That's exactly what we would do. Not really. Maybe. Yeah, I would definitely hit them all at some point. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I would. I would need clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have anything that currently fits the apocalypse. I would need new clothes. <laughs> and The Last Starfighter. Oh, yeah. The Last Starfighter. <clears throat> Because some of the, I mean, the more popular 80s movies, like some of the Star Wars movies, or um, those those were, you know, those those, those weren't like the the, the cult classic um, 80s movies like Kroll was. I mean, they're, they're, they're just so awful that you watch them again and you go, wow, that was really bad. But you just love them. You can't help it. The special effects are really cheesy and... Um. Uh, Barbara, you're talking about that fic where Hermione goes back in time um, and kills Tom Riddle and um, saves um, the magical world before she's even born. Um, and when the when her future self comes through the 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 train station, um, everybody kind of turns and looks at her because there's Hermione Granger and she saves them from the Dark Lord. Yeah, that's um, um, I love Space Camp, my chauffeur, absolutely. Um, um, I think my chauffeur kind of inadvertently um, introduced me to incest. I didn't know what it was. And there's a scene where the couple and my chauffeur think for a couple of seconds, maybe like a whole minute, that they're actually brother and sister. And she laughs and says, we've been really naughty. (laughs) And he goes, And I didn't know what it meant. (laughs) And so I asked my mom. And she was like, well, brothers and sisters, when that happened, she, she, she had to explain incest to me. And I was like, well, thank God they weren't actually brother and sister. <laughs> Are you looking for a fic? I was, but I can't, I can't, um, what happens is, is that she goes back in time, and the Marauders are in fifth or sixth, maybe sixth or seventh year, um, and she, she fixes Peter, um, she kills Tom Riddle, um, and she eventually dies, I mean, she she dies in the past, um, and, um, it's told from James Potter's point of view, um, and he comes to realize that Hermione 
traveled back in time and killed Tom Riddle because she was in love with Harry. And um, the future she came from was a nightmare. And she went back in time to save Harry, to, to, to make sure he had a good life. So she went back to the point where um, she could prevent all of it. And she did. It looks like time had the wind. Yes, it's called um, Many Thanks by Mad M05. And it's on fanfiction.net. Um, and uh, it's um, it's an interesting it's it, it's it's interesting because of the point of view, and um, it's very bittersweet uh, because um, when little Hermione comes through the platform onto the train station and everybody sees her, it's like um, the older Hermione is still lingering around as a ghost. And she interacts with um, her parents. It, it's it's really it's really powerful. It's a it, it's a great read. I, I really enjoy the character dynamics in the story. So, but it's called Many Thanks by Mad M O Five, and it's on um, fanfiction.net. And thank you, Echo, for finding it because <clears throat> we had discussed it in past in, in, in another podcast, and I believe we found it during that podcast too. Or maybe shortly after that podcast, I put a link up in Minion Headquarters, maybe. Because uh, it, it took me a while to find it the first time. Or the second time when I was... I probably should put this in my... I should bookmark this shit so it's easier to find next time. <laughs> if it's come up more than once, you need to bookmark it. Anyway, it's it's very good stuff. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a great character study of both James Potter and um, Hermione Granger. But I'm pretty sure that we linked it in um, Minion Headquarters because we had talked about it during the podcast. And then um, I lost my uh, what's it my there it is. I lost my dashboard briefly. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, I have I've not written anything today. But I have plans. And I'm probably team Winky. <laughs> when it comes to the the murder of of not so random death eaters. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I'm super on board with the murder board. It's um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, wow, I just double birded my screen over a article, <clears throat> and I'm An not article. even from Australia. Yeah, Mark Latham calls for whites and straights to take back Australia, and I just double birded almost immediately. It was like a gut reaction. <laughs> I'm not even in Australia, and I'm pissed off. <coughs> oh, I just saw that notification, too. Yeah, he looks like the kind of guy who would say something like that. He looks like a nutsack. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, forget my journal. My podcast would be against the law in, <laughs> in the Russian Federation. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, it would. On several fronts. Yeah, yeah. There's that whole podcast where I spent a good 30 minutes explaining anal sex. I'm sure that's probably considered <laughs> gay propaganda. Um <laughs> <clears throat> Now I want to go watch Night of Someone, the Comet. Oh, this is really funny. Someone accused me of self-inserting um, in um, my Harry Potter fic, and is why I'm writing Harry and Hermione. Um, and i got news for you. If I am a self-insert in any part in Dracula Lowell, it's probably Francis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, it's probably Francis. <laughs> If I'm channeling any of myself into any character in Dr. Lowell, it is it is probably Francis. And um <clears throat> yeah. And maybe Winky. <laughs> because if I was gonna kill somebody and I was magical, I think the Nundu preserve is an excellent choice. That or the That's dragon good. preserve. Just port key somebody in some dragon pen. Oh, how'd that happen? Accident. Port key Bummer. accidents are terrible. God, you just can't trust ministry made, ministry made port keys. Because <laughs> <laughs> although I do have a, definitely much crueler than a volcano. I do have a fic in progress. Um, where Harry kills a whole bunch of Death Eaters by getting on his broom and getting up high in the air and saying Voldemort because it's taboo and all the Snatchers appear around him and fall to the ground and die. I think that's awesome. And then he does that it again. That's a great way to get rid of him. And then he, like a couple days later, he goes to somewhere else and does it and does it again and then does it again and kills like 26 people. <laughs> Because they're so stupid. And I don't honestly think that's unrealistic in the magical world. No. It's on my EAD. It's on my evil author day. Um, it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I just don't think it's unrealistic. At all. Because they're dumb. I, there's a great fic where um, it's... Last wish, make a wish. It's make a wish, and <laughs> Death Eaters keep port keying it, trying to kill Harry. But they keep like one time they port keyed on the wing of a plane, 
<laughs> it got blown off by the air, you know, by the current. Um, and one time they they port keyed into a hotel, and they ended up port keying into the pool, but the pool had a um, a cover, so they got tangled up in the cover and drowned. <laughs> Funny as shit, and that's the same one where dumb um, Umbridge actually gets killed by falling rocks. Rocks literally fell. It's great, and that's the one where Harry has no idea this is happening, right? Right, and he gets this terrible reputation as um, this vicious wizard killer, um, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> it's just happening all around him. I think that was the part that was so hysterical for me is that he was so oblivious to the fact he that everybody was dying. Him. He was leaving this this swath of dead people, and he had no clue that this is what was happening. And Mr. Black ends up getting invited to a convention and ends up capturing a whole bunch of criminals who were there to kill him because that they think he's some kind of hit wizard or something. Oh god, it's hilarious. It's you, you can't even That's some serious entertainment right there. Whenever I'm in a really bad mood, I can go over and read that shit and just laugh my ass off. But yes, for real, if I have ever self inserted before in my life, it's probably Francis and Darkly Loyal. Or maybe Winky. Because because I was that little kid when I was young. I was precocious. I was, um, I enjoyed being the center of attention. <laughs> I firmly believe, like, I could kick a grown man's ass. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> I read a story recently because and they kind of if, if you ask Francis, she would tell you she she kicked that Death Eater's ass, <laughs> and she would believe I'm sure it. She could. I would bank on her too. <laughs> but I read something recently where um, Harry set Dumbledore up to find him in Diagon Alley um, in his first year because Dumbledore can't find him, but he knows Dumbledore's looking for him. And I couldn't for the life of me remember what story this is because they kind of blur together when you aren't sleeping. But. Um, and he sets him up so that when Dumbledore comes and grabs him, he does all this screaming and yelling about the bad man wants to touch me in my naughty places. <laughs> oh, God. It was so freaking funny because he's just raising the He's kicking him in the shins and screaming and yelling about how this man is trying to take him off and molest him. And it was just the whole thing was an, it was affected, and it was just so funny. There was a great story, and um, the great Harry Potter escape. And apparently when Harry was little, he'd run away from the Dursleys. And uh, Moody and Dumbledore would have to chase him down. And he would be like halfway across the country because he would accidentally apparate. Um, or ever, ever how you say that. Um, and he'd be mm-hmm. like stealing food from people with magic. And they would have to obliviate him and <laughs> take him back to the Dursleys. And at one point, he ended up with a bunch of football hooligans and he was on their tour tour bus and they were going around watching football slash soccer matches and Dumbledore tried to take him and um, Harry trots over to those hooligans and says, that nice old man wants him to, 
wants me to come with him. Is that okay? And they're like, hell no, that's not okay. And they go <laughs> kick his ass. And so he has to he has to send Minerva to get him back from the football hooligans. And she ends up staying for a game. And um, Harry gets mad because she tells him he can't keep his ear necklace. <laughs> that those hooligans have been making it. <laughs> apparently she kicked somebody's ass during the game. It was great. And yet and the and the Darcy's get arrested a lot. Oh it's fucking hilarious. Well apparently there were a lot of stories called in Harry Potter called The Great Escape. <laughs> I read one once where um <laughs> Harry ran away. And he called the Dursleys and um, told them they had like an hour to get out of town before he called the cops and reported them for murdering him. But he but he waits like ten minutes and then he calls like the the, the Metro Police and, it, and it reports his own murder and Vernon gets arrested. I so need to read that. And Dumbledore has to obliviate half a dozen people and Harry gets put back and then he um. He keeps reporting him for things like embezzlement and tax evasion and just all kinds of terrible things that don't actually have anything to do with him. That way Dumbledore doesn't show up. And so he gets like audited and he almost loses his job. Oh, it's hilarious. We're down to 90 seconds. Um, um, But seriously, you dudes, you dudes, um, stop being dumb about LiveJournal. Um... Because you need to take it very seriously. You're going to lose all your shit, and then you'll have only yourself to blame. Take it seriously. And say yes to the volume when you're offered it. (laughs) Always say yes to the volume when you're offered it. Never turn down volume. I, you know, I migrated and then I deleted. I absolutely, because you don't want to be subject to, I mean, because I don't even know what they mean. I don't know. I just don't think it's safe to keep it on there. That's just my personal opinion. Julie, what do you think? No, I don't think, especially if you've ever paid for anything on LiveJournal and they have a way of finding out who you are. Or, you know, I mean, they have a way of finding out who you are anyway, you know, if you pay for your own internet account and you don't log in through a VPN service. So we got I 15 seconds. I felt like my bare ass was hanging in the wind when I read that user agreement. Yeah, yeah. You guys, have a great weekend. Um, I'll catch you later. Say goodnight, Julie. Good night. <laughs>